0: i said it before and i'll say it again
1: that scene that last
2: scene
0: what does it mean
2: i'm the dude you know get the fuck out of here no i cannot
3: that final scene starts now
2: Cool! Hi, 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 and welcome—or welcome, welcome back—to another episode of the That Final Scene Podcast. My name is Sophie, and as always, I'm joined by Ben and Simon.
1: Hello. Hello. hello,
2: hello. So today we have a special episode for you guys. I know many of you have been asking for our review on Jordan Peele's Nope. So we're about to deliver the goods because, oh boy, all of us have thoughts on that film, but. Because we actually got to see the film together, we didn't want to have the conversation on our own. We wanted to have someone to sense check uh, our reactions here. Which is why we'll be joined by a dear friend of the podcast, my online bestie Tim, also known as comedian of cinema on Instagram, YouTube and TikTok, who also runs his uh, own podcast, Has It Going to End, so do make sure to check him out. We'll also be talking about films that were ruined by their endings What is one movie ending you could rewrite and how? So I'm really excited to talk about some of your responses as well. And also, I have to say, see how my community's responses differ to Tim's followers. So this is going to be really, really fun. Anything else you want to add before we jump into our conversation with Tim?
0: Major spoilers for Nope, but yeah, yes. I think that's about it.
2: Yes, we're terrible at yeah, warnings with this yeah. one. Uh, great. The only other thing we want to give you a heads up is that we will be taking a short break as I'm off to Crete for a couple of weeks to spend some time with the family. And that said, we'll be back in about a month or so, I want to say mid-September. september time, yeah. With an iconic final scene double bill blade runner and blade runner 2049 i feel like i've told you guys if i haven't then you have to you have more than a month to watch yeah it's the 40th anniversary of blade runner and you know i love a good anniversary so as always if you find yourself enjoying this episode please share it with a friend ideally someone who knows who jordan peel is and now without further ado let's dive right in What's this? It's a movie! No! No, oh, I liked it! No! Can
0: I say something? No! I
2: don't get
0: it! What don't you get about it?
2: So yeah, thank you so much for having us and for joining us. It's funny thank because you for we having me and joining me, yeah.
1: <laughs> so is this like a mutual thing? We, Are we, the thing. We, we all in each other's podcast then?
2: Yes, we're both hosts and guests at the same time.
1: Right. It's very this is very inception.
3: It's very inception, it's very meta. I get to make mine sound infinitely smarter by not having just my American, you know, fucking this and shit that and, you know.
2: And our sound, it gets to sound much more cooler, I feel I, like.
0: I, I think you're being too kind saying we sound educated. <laughs> that's way too kind. I also get to benefit
3: f- from the structure you guys use and, and go, okay, yeah, you know, that, that, that's, that's a lot, you know, that's just better quality to be able to divide the episode into parts and then that way you don't rant for 20 minutes on whatever. <laughs> the f-
0: I don't know, maybe that's what we get into today.
2: How many times have I been on your podcast? two or three i think three i think it's i think it's yeah it's three now yeah um but for those who haven't listened to to these episodes um just so we can do like a quick intros maybe because i i know you yeah, yeah um i have been running the instagram page that final scene for over four years now and i'm currently playing around with tiktok and youtube as well but the most exciting update over the past year has been this podcast, obviously, which has been an extension of the page, and I'm blessed to be doing it with these two, Ben and Simon. So, yeah, I feel like I'm putting you on the spot. You're getting to introduce yourselves.
0: Well, I'm Ben, and that's Simon.
2: No, but how do you... Like, <laughs> give, us, give, us, give the origin story. Give the origin story.
0: Okay. You go for that, Simon. You're the one who ties us all together. Oh well
1: tim timothy <laughs> uh sophie and i used to work together when she she, she just she moved to london from greece in what 2016
2: two weeks before brexit
1: and
0: yeah good times good times
1: um that was what swayed the vote actually and um and we started working together at a very questionable startup called Motorcast. and sophie was social media director head of
2: everything showing
1: and then, uh, and then the whole startup collapsed because there was some embezzling and all sorts of other shenanigans going on, and uh, and we stayed friends ever since. And, the, and I think then Sophie started the Instagram account. That final scene. That final scene. And then uh, we kind of went our separate ways a bit. And like I had noticed that she was doing really well with it, and I'd been thinking, oh, it'd be great to do a podcast. Um, and what are the what a perfect way to do it through that type of um, approach. And then Ben and I were in the pub about six months ago or whatever. And and I was telling him about this podcast or something, or you telling me about listening to a podcast. And it turned out it was Sophie's podcast. Well, I had...
0: It was Sophie's um, Instagram page. Yeah, I had said, I was like, I really want to get into podcasting. And I'm thinking of some ideas. And I was like, I actually followed this Instagram page called That Final Scene. And I really think there's a great idea in there. And Simon just goes, oh, Sophie's podcast. I was like... I mean, mean, Instagram page. Yeah, or Sophie's Instagram page. I was like... who's who's Sophie? (laughs) At that point, I didn't know who Sophie was. And yeah. And then we had like a conversation, some beers. And then about two months later, we said, okay, let's sit down and actually get in front of these microphones and start recording.
3: I mean, that's, that's fucking awesome to have that like perfect trio kind of meet over just the just the Instagram page. It's a
2: cute story, and I also feel like we have different perspectives in a way, and I think this is what makes a podcast work because we all come from very different backgrounds and we all have very different movie tastes and you know TV tastes as well. Which I mean, I feel like people can tell by now. Uh, but why don't you give an intro to our listeners? Like, who who are you? How would you yeah define you know your podcast and like your your page? Obviously, 100k followers. What's the journey so far?
3: Uh, I, I I started my my page oh god I think 2017 it took a while to until now I, t- I started 2017 and it was very much not the kind of I wanted to I was a part of something else like another Instagram page you know it was very <laughs> much like I would put something up and be proud of it and then like it would get bogged down by a bunch of other things and I was like you know what, no I can just maybe you know I was I think I was in my second semester of college and I was like I can you know do college work and also post on Instagram every now and then and then I did and after a while I started like just garn- garnering a following. And I was, all right, well, start focusing on your stuff maybe on something you're more interested in. I, I had started majoring in film studies and then screenwriting and, as a focus. And it just got more, you know, more, I think that's how it grew easier was, was posting more about mm-hmm. my interest rather than what I thought, you know, would, would be popular to post on Instagram. And then uh, the podcast was more of like, I had, started, I had started my YouTube page in 2020 in January and i had did like three reviews i did the, i reviewed 1917 the witcher and birds of prey mm. i had this this weird like you know uh, uh, studio apartment where i was just making these videos against the real like a like a green panelled wall it was like really not i had my i had one of those lapel mics i put on a a wooden spoon right in, out right out of frame of the camera and it was just <laughs> you know it was it was all right and then the pandemic uh, hit and i didn't get to see any movies that year and i had planned out like on a calendar a year of Reviews I wanted to post Uh and all that. So then, of just a year of no creativity of of, of, at all, stemmed into January of 2021. I bought. I was like, if you get the the right equipment, if you get a good mic and a good recorder, then you can just start that. And then I, and then last year, yeah, I think March or so, I started the actual podcast. And a lot of it was just me talking at first, and uh, that's because I don't. Most of my friends in college left New York after the pandemic, Mm -hmm. so. It was a lot of like, all right, well, you can kind of, you, you're, you're very good at like it, when I'm alone and I'm with nobody, I will just start talking about an idea. So you can do that in front of a mic and at least turn it into something that people can watch or listen to if they're interested, which I had like no basis of that at all. And then I started, you know, the good thing about having a page with any amount of followers is because followers is currency now. So I could get to tell someone who, you know, like, like a stunt performer, or people who don't necessarily have like, people coming up to them and be like hey what are your thoughts on this and then I was like, oh that's great I can talk to you know I spoke to the first person Samantha Wynn who was a stunt performer in a, in a bunch of Zack Snyder movies um, and that was and that just started I was like oh I can actually reach out to people and talk to them about mm-hmm. projects they've been in what they're working on now and and then I started talking I think you were the first or one of the first people like that I haven't that I didn't know who, who you weren't like we followed each other for a while and then I was like I like the stuff she's posting. It's really interesting. I love the idea of analyzing a final scene and a final moment. So it became a lot, a lot simpler to just, you know, reach out.
2: Cool. I I think it's time to jump to our community segment section. If that's okay with you, Tim.
3: Oh yeah, definitely.
2: Let's do it. Okay. So as a recap, both me and Tim asked our communities on instagram to share the film endings they would rewrite and also tell us what the new endings would look like so we got some amazing responses right tim do you want to start
3: so I, since i would never done that oh. before the, the, the dual post so i was getting a lot of mm. notifications of responding to people and you'd be like i love that and then i'd check their comment i'd be like it's fucking awful why would you do a heat too <laughs> Where De Niro still lives and then it's just the same as the first movie again. There were some that I was like, that's an interesting cake I never thought of.
2: Um, I'm also a, a real... A Titanic one. Okay, well, we can talk about it, but yeah, I have thoughts.
3: Well, okay, well yeah. one that I got that I liked because mm-hmm. I, I really combed through these comments. A lot of these people just wanted to like rewrite the movie of their dreams. And it's like, uh, just completely getting rid of of maybe the 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 what the, the intention of the movie in the end or something like that, and it felt very much yeah. like a fairy tale type thing.
2: We had a few people um, talk about La Land right in the end, which is obviously very sad. And you're right. We had a few people saying it's not that it's a bad ending. It's probably the more appropriate, the more realistic one. But, you know, if in a dream world, I would love for them to have an end up together. So I get that. But you're right. It wouldn't have the same effect. It wouldn't have the same effect. So I get why you would want to rewrite something for the sake of just like, I don't know, it kind of validates you and like your story in your head. But it was the they acknowledge that it was the right ending or a more appropriate one
3: in a way. This question. I think it's a really interesting mm. question that you can approach. Mm-hmm. I don't think that it should be like, like asking this question, posing this question. You can't go talk about like the greatest movies of all time. It should just be off the table. Talk about maybe a movie that you liked that you saw that no one else saw, or maybe a movie that was underrated or overrated and, and, and attack it. But like, I don't know, like one that I, I really liked that I actually wrote down, I, I screenshotted the comment. I don't know how to say this, this user Leah mm-hmm. R I. I right, like
2: <laughs> yeah. talked about
3: uh, Disney's Encanto, which I think is a really one she, a really mm-hmm. good one she wrote. I really don't understand why they got their magical powers back since the whole movie seemed to point how magic is useless when you're all together. I would just erase the part where the magic is back so that they would all be equal again and it would also end their reign over the rest of the village. Fantastic idea. My, my favorite yeah. thing about that moment in Encanto is when it's like, oh, so now there's no like caste system within the family based on powers now and even the magical house like the idea that like you make the house magical the house doesn't have to be magical it's it's, that's a i think that's Mm. a great that's a
2: great rewriting we love this thing. i think
0: the one that looking at them i mean the one that stood out to me the most was someone made a comment about batman versus superman which my big problem is not you know someone wanting to rewrite the ending (laughs) It's the fact that you still have to sit through another two, two hours and 20 minutes of absolute horseshit of a film to then rewrite the ending that still doesn't make sense because the other thing that I saw was loads of people being like, uh, Man of Steel, the ending of Man of Steel really annoyed me because at the ending of Man of Steel, he kills General Zod, which is totally out of character. No offense to the person who made the Batman vs Superman comment, but then him killing Batman would make it an even worse ending because Superman just doesn't do that. Superman doesn't kill people. So not only do I have to sit through the whole film, and it just be awful, like terrible.
2: Yeah. So, man, of Steel, I fully agree. I, I love the film. The ending, eh, nah, not convinced still. Batman versus Superman. Batman okay. Versus, so no.
0: I, no. 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 Batman versus Superman is terrible. You, you, you won't convince ha- me otherwise. I don't hate it. I hate it. <laughs> I. I that and Justice League. Justice League is like another
2: level, like it, it's just, a, it's just, un, yeah, it,
0: yeah. It's a, it's a film where the like thing that makes them stop hating one another is that their mams have the same name. Mm-hmm. What the fuck are you talking about? How stupid is that? Mother. Oh my God. Like, it's, it's a piss take. It genuinely feels like it was written by, at the end of it feels like it was written by a five-year-old. And it was a bad ending line. to a terrible film. Don't rewrite it. Just burn it. Don't want
2: Hard it. retweet. Hard retweet. Which brings me to another comment that, uh, speaking of superhero films, Thor. Someone said, Thor, Love and Thunder makes no sense. The, that final scene is set up to save Jane, baffling. And I respond to that comment. It's been like, the whole film needs to be rewritten. Like, the whole film. Like, not just the ending. Uh, we haven't talked about Thor 4 properly, which is fine. Because I don't want to. Spend two months. I don't want to give that film any airtime, but yeah, just like cancel it, burn to the ground altogether. What about
0: you, Side? Did you find any good ones?
1: I actually found it quite hard to think of these because I think that if you want to rewrite the final scene, you probably didn't like the film that much in the first place, therefore, well, that's what I was thinking. So I was like, well, I probably didn't For the care ending,
2: about you know, the, like there is a, I mean. I hear that question quite a lot um, in a different way, as in what was one film that was ruined by its ending? Mm. Because you see, I mean, you, I mean, I have had that experience quite a few times where I loved the film up until the end. It was like, what the fuck? Yeah.
1: Well, the film that I thought of, which is a bit of a silly answer, really, is the end to the Richard Curtis film, Four Weddings and a Funeral, oh, okay. where there's a a line so laden with cheese it almost <laughs> destroys the entire film and it's where Hugh, Grant, Hugh or- Grant's character Charles I think he's called in it oh. uh he his the love interest comes to the front door of the house that he's at and it's pouring with rain outside and um and he goes out to talk to her and it's like Hollywood rain. It's like ridiculous amounts of water coming down. And she does this line where she's like, is it raining? I hadn't noticed. And it's like, <laughs> oh my God, it's terrible. <laughs> so yeah, I guess that's that's like one, an example of a line that takes you out of a film straight away. Yeah. Even though the level of cheese in those Richard Curtis films is high, that was like Gouda or something. I don't know, Stilton. Yeah. It was like another level. So yeah, that's my answer. But I, I think I found it hard to think of one because films where i hate cuz for me like as much as you can debate endings of films and stuff for me the film is a piece of art that the director and the writer and all the people made it intended so they're not meant to be tinkered with that's you got to take them as they are i'm not sure and if if i hated the ending i probably would not be a fan of the film so therefore i wouldn't remember it and be that interested
2: okay but what about films that have i mean if you look back at certain films like *Gone with the Wind*, which is a very, mm. like, it's an incredibly racist film. Mm. If you remove the racist elements, it's still a great film. So yeah, you can well, make a modern be a version film, of it. Wouldn't
1: it, it would be different?
2: But still effective, it's as like, in doesn't take away from maybe,
1: that. it'd just be a different piece of art. Then, for example, um, I love the film *Into the Wild*, and I found the ending incredibly sad. So I would, would maybe go, oh, I'll rewrite it so the guy doesn't die in the caravan. Mm. Um, and he gets to go home and reconcile with his parents. But then that'd be a different...
2: Yeah, which is why it's a hypothetical question. It's like, if you yeah. could rewrite something and yeah. kind of make what, it your to, own. To rectify it. Yeah, not in not a way to rectify, like reimagine it. Like, yeah, and there are so many, like, in the concept of remakes, sometimes they do change the ending, right? Remakes, and there have been some, mm. not, doesn't happen very because often. Because
1: even if I know I'm watching a film where the ending's been focused focus group to death, and you know it's been sort of researched, and they uh-huh. they're just going for maximum box office hit. Uh-huh. I don't care. I, I just judge the film yeah. as I find it, sure. and yeah, I, that's
2: value. Yeah,
3: uh, yeah. I, I I actually agree a lot more in the li- in the line that it does become its own. It becomes a new thing. It's like, mm-hmm. it's it's like a it's like a a, a, a movie I saw recently. Well, not recently, a couple months ago. It was a, a duel. You heard about that with. Um,
1: Wait, the Steven Spielberg film?
3: No, 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 no. That's the uh, uh, that's Jewel. Riley Stearns who did um uh, fuck, I hate this air bubble shit. Uh, he did uh the Art of Self Defense with Jesse Eisenberg. He did this yeah. one with uh, who plays the the sister in the Guardians of the Galaxy, the sister of Zoe Silvana. I Forgot her name.
0: Oh, Karen Gillan. Karen Gillan. Yeah,
3: Karen Gillan, yeah she plays she she the, the, in in this world. There's a concept where you can clone yourself if you if you if you're if you know you're going to die, if you have terminal cancer or something, you can make a clone to leave with your family and, and your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your partner or whatever. And, and it's very, very treated normally, which is a lot of the humor comes from that. But it's very much like it's, it's not her. It's a new person that looks like her, which is really interesting, which I think that happens when, when you change the ending of something. Uh, you have to rewrite the DNA, the DNA of it. Like, say you change mm-hmm. the ending of... I'm going to use my, my least favorite example again. and they Change the ending of heat. You have to change... Mm-hmm. The characters of of Macaulay yeah. and and, um, and Pacino's character because their whole point of their characters is that it's all they do is is rob banks and catch people who rob banks. That's that's who they are. There's nothing more to them because they're at the end of their lines. I'm I'm reading uh, uh, Heat Two, which which Michael Mann recently uh, released, and it follows um, Val Kilmer's character because he's still alive at the end of Heat, and it's, and, but at the same time, it touches back on uh, 1980s um, De Niro and, and Val Kilmer and all that, which is, I think is a great idea if you want to do a sequel without, using, without ruining the, 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 com- the culmination of you know, Pacino or De Niro not going back to jail, which you know, he's, he, that's his one thing is he, he's not going to go back and he'll never bend in that way, which is a great character-defining moment. So if you keep it going on, it just seems like you're delaying the inevitable. So when it comes to, mm-hmm. to, to, to changing an ending like that, I do like the idea of changing a, a final moment or a final scene. Because I think when, I, when people hear changing the ending, they think like rewriting the third act maybe. This is probably one that you guys have heard uh, in the end of Scorsese's The Departed. The fucking mm-hmm. rat goes along the railing. Get rid of it. Yeah, We get it, Scorsese. You lose yes. all sense of like the impactful moment of silent Wahlberg in the apartment. And that's it. And then it's like, we get it. The rat's there. That's what I would completely take out.
2: That's, that's smart, actually, because there, we we're talking about three billboards earlier, Ben, yeah. when like some we find that some films may potentially end a scene too early or a scene too late. So it's that kind of like tweak yeah. that you could make in a way to just make the impact A lot more, yeah. I think
0: the The Departed was one of the comments on the post as well. Someone mentioned that. uh, Someone mentioned that. Yeah, it's a good spot.
2: Ben, what what about you? What kind of film would you? Well, again, as I said,
0: I think, and it's interesting. It goes, you know, it, it, it would have been Man of Steel because, but then that goes back to rewriting all of it. But actually, in that scenario, that's probably a good thing because the end of Man of Steel completely misunderstands what Superman's supposed to be about you know and uh like the dark knight does it really well in the joker's whole thing is i'm going to get you to crawl i want to get you to cross your one line and batman's like i'll never do that and he has to find a way to not do that what's
1: batman's line to kill someone
0: oh and that's superman's line as well but it gets to the end of it and he kills general zod michael shannon's character he just killed him which wouldn't happen in the comic books and it's that the reason I don't like that and the reason I would change that is because doing that completely misinterprets what Superman's about.
1: Mm-hmm. But I'd like to take what you just said and then apply it to your favorite movie franchise of all time, James Bond, and ask you about the final scene of the most recent James Bond where they break the rule that James Bond never dies.
0: Perfect. Had to be done. Because really? they needed to change it, yeah. Bond needed to be Bond needs to be shaken up, and I like well, the fact that they did that.
2: He's
1: dead. He's not shaken up; he's dead.
0: Yeah, and but-
2: I think uh, Ben was referring to the moral line that yeah. is. Yeah. It's not like yeah, Bond, Bond doesn't have a moral line Batman, in not dying. Well, there isn't a moral line in not dying.
3: Yeah. I think there yes. is a difference between a th- like like a, a thematic line and a moral line, which I think is it's a great conversation because there's the idea of mm. you have a character that at this point, Batman, Superman, James Bond, they're more than characters they are they're, they are man, like manifestations was, of of yeah. of decades of stories and, and feelings and, and interpretations so I think that's really interesting when you well I also love No Time to Die I think No Time to Die somehow is one of the only movies that benefited from three years of delays when it finally came out a lot of people there was because I think a lot of movies that came out after the delays people were like okay finally we got that over with you know what I mean but this was one of those ones where it was like it had the added, the added pressure of being the final Craig Bond film. And it had that level of, okay, well, this was made, this was set to release, you know, like I think April of 2020. I reckon each time it
1: delayed, they were like focus grouping the end of the film. <laughs> and every time they were flip-flopping between he lives, he dies, he lives, he dies. And then the final time it was like, he dies.
3: Probably a, a real possibility. I think that there was, it's been enough time that they probably either, maybe not reshot, like a possible like uh, in the can somewhere in in a safe house somewhere. But I think it's, it's, it's very possible that there was a sense of like, maybe this is a good time for us to completely change it. That happened with uh, the Batman. It wasn't completely changed, but it gave Reeves a good, like six months to kind of dive more into. They only filmed a third of it by the time the pandemic hit. And, you know, eight months, nine months later, they were able to get back into it. so, yeah, I think, I think a lot of movies were, were cursed and benefited from that pause and, has there ever been an example
1: of a film where an alternative ending is leaked?
2: Oh, many times the
0: public have found the footage. Yeah,
2: really? I am Legend. They do that. Get Out. that. Well, mean I mean, yeah, I am Legend. The
0: to... uh, it's Legend's on the DVD. A... Like it's a yeah. completely different ending where he doesn't die. Is just in the DVD because they shot. I am both. Legend
2: is. I mean the, the yeah. It smells better. It's also yeah. very much like
3: the, the the theatrical release got poisoned by like. It's two thousand nine and in two thousand nine action mm-hmm. movies end with the, the the hero sacrifices himself or something.
0: Yeah.
3: <laughs> and uh it's very much it's it's also that's another thing. A lot of these fucking big popular movies lack like it's like they don't want to include any sense of subtlety or nuance in case the art like it's very much in under an underestimation of what the audience will understand. So if there's a scene yeah. in the final in the alternate ending of I Am Legend, he 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 notices a a butterfly tattoo on the The one he'd been keeping the the daybreak whatever they called him he'd been keeping, and it's a you know it's 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 a to him it's a sign from his daughter in heaven that these are still people, and you don't you know you, you, this is not the case where it's like if I go down, I'm taking you with me, he keeps a grenade in his science scientific desk, you know what I mean like full of syringes and shit. so it's like it's much more like i think I think the focus group was like, I like the fucking explosion over him reconciling. The idea that, like, these are still humans in there underneath them. And it's very much, you know, that case.
2: Okay, so mine, very quickly, it's a funny one, Uh, but just to end on a funny note. Mr. and Mrs. Smith, hear me out. The final scene is so dumb. Like, I would have had both of them die because in the final scene, they're completely surrounded by a bunch of gunmen with assault rifles and full body armor. And realistically, they would have not made it out alive. Now, you may say, films do not have to be realistic, yada, yada. And I get it. But I would have loved like a Thelma and Louise, or like a Boyd and Clyde kind of ending where they just, you know, just ended on a Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they already look like they came out of Photoshop, right? So you might as well have tried a bit harder to make them look more realistic and like human. So, yeah, that's that's the one I would be right. Awesome. So, so we dive into Nope? Yes. Okay, it's time. Oh, look,
1: a message from our sponsor.
3: G.I. Jane 2. Can't wait to see it. Nah, yo, hold my poodle. Hey, yo, what's up? Y'all got a problem? Y'all want some of this? Without much further ado. Here we go again.
2: So, um... Following the death of their father, right? We, um, how did he die? Falling coin or something? Yeah,
0: coin falls from space and from goes, scu- goes straight
2: yeah. to his eye. Um, OJ, played by Daniel Kaluuya and M. Kiki Palmer, they start to suspect that. It might have been the result of a UFO. I think that's my understanding, anyway. Um, in in the sky above the ranch, they decide to try and loan the opera show. Uh, it's kind of the proof that the UFO actually exists, so they can sell to make, I don't know, the rich and famous lifestyle a reality. I think it, I think the premise is fairly straightforward for a Jordan Peele film, but yeah, it. It's interesting because I don't know where do I start. Like I have so many thoughts about this film because we, I know Tim, you and I were talking about it. Where it's um, there are a lot of things that I liked. There were quite a few things that we liked, and then there were a couple of things that we didn't. Uh, I can talk about myself. Um, I love the ending, so we can get to that in a second. the The biggest thing that I struggled with was. How underexplored the Stephen Young's character, like storyline, really was. Like the, the most exciting, like one of the most exciting scene. was was what happened in eighty nine? Uh, that you know, chimpanzee attack. It was one of the best Gordy. scenes. Yeah, and then you had, I don't know, how, yeah, you had the the actual resolution of that storyline felt like the payoff wasn't quite there for me. So I kind of struggled with that. And one of the things that I told Ben and Simon, because we actually got to watch it together, is that I came out of the f- film feeling like there wasn't, there wasn't like a linear structure to the story. I some, Sometimes I felt like I was missing scenes because things were kind of just kind of like jumping here and there the The first couple of scenes were a bit awkward for me. You know, like that scene like with a green screen. I, I was kind it's of struggling. A bit,
1: didn't it? We looked at each other and we were like, this is going on a bit too long.
2: No, I didn't. No, no, that's the thing. I didn't...
1: That particular didn't, scene.
2: Oh, I don't know. If, um, maybe. I don't know. For me, it was a bit awkward, that scene. As in, like, I, I feel like they struggled to find the tone in the first few scenes and then they found their groove and obviously like kiki palmer is incredible like and like the standout of the film by far and the when you think about the film like it's both sci-fi and horror and i feel like it does a lot better in the sci-fi element than in the horror element in a sense because kind of
0: switches halfway through
2: it does which makes it feel a bit uneven tonally in a way um so yeah, that was my initial reaction. I feel like when you think of a film and you try to critique it in a way, you think about it from a storytelling standpoint and then from a filmmaking standpoint. And fi- like the filmmaking aspect of it is incredible. We didn't get to watch it on IMAX, unfortunately. was a bit strong. No, it's not like no. It was so well done. Like I love the loved the camera work. I love the cinematography. The sound design was amazing. Our screen was shit. There was like I feel like our a experience stain was so the screen.
0: like yeah, <laughs> a big bit of dirt on when the, screen.
1: the um what I describe as the fly. <laughs> mushroom which is the ufo that design that they went for it looked a bit like the underside of a mushroom or a stingray fish i thought it looked like a cowboy hat that's why i really liked yeah, it yeah it's true and then but but earlier on in the film it's it's exciting because you get to see glimpses of it yeah which is the bit obviously yeah. it's, once it gets revealed it becomes old quite quickly but because of the stain on our screen i kept thinking there were like glimpses of it in the clouds but it was like stationary but then i realized it was just like a smear on our
2: it was Cinema so screen. distracting. Yeah. It was so distracting.
1: Because this thing hides in a cloud, doesn't it? Yeah. And I thought it was like a really bad CGI kind of
2: cloud or something. But to quickly go back to the, to the filmmaking aspect, what we need to, like, one of the things we need to remember is that one of the probably like most difficult jobs of the director is to direct people and what he achieved with Kiki Palmer and Kaluya and even um, what's his name sorry the the third the, angel yeah the i can't remember really his name yeah. his name's angel yeah angel yeah he was re- he was really oh. good yeah it takes a lot of skill to direct actors i don't i think we underestimate that because you've seen both like i've personally seen like both of them in other Uh, films before and they bring something entirely new to the character like to their characters. I think people assume that Kiki Palmer is like that in real life she's not like that's her she just like like she really brings M to life and I do think it's down to Jordan Peele just like trying to use the traditional archetypes of you know moody and overly bubbly but Making it not feel stereotypical. Like it feels very very fresh. I know you remember that scene where they um fist bump like what wow, did the yeah. You laughed so you laughed so hard in that It's scene. where
1: like they have a little victory and then the brother and sister do like a really funny yeah, like high five sequence yeah. or something. They what, do the yeah, yeah the, like the practiced handshake yeah, or something. Where yeah.
2: I, I think she was like, it's oh just my, like a what nice the siblings. fuck about a camera. It's like it
0: was like a nice sibling moment. Yeah. That's quite cool. I think at the the further I've gotten away from it, because obviously we saw it like five days ago, the, and the more I've thought about it, I I do think I really enjoyed it. And I, I agree with what you said, Sophie. I think, like, technically, I think it's fantastic and the performances are great. I do think it just really suffers from as soon as you see the alien and then it starts getting bigger and it turns into this big, billowing, flowing linen shirt.
1: It's like a napkin.
0: Yeah, I think it just, it loses quite a lot there. I think it's almost like they've gone, oh, we've got all this fucking, we've got all this money to spend on this big alien when actually it was more terrifying and more interesting when you didn't really see it as much. I mean, it's the, it's the whole Jaws thing, isn't it? Like it's scarier when you don't see it, you know, when you, you don't know what it is. And as soon as it comes out of the water, you're like, that thing looks fucking stupid. Like it's clearly a big mechanical shark. I th- think I guess they,
1: they they betted on it becoming a character
0: in the film, and I like the fact really- that, you know, obviously this is a spoilery thing, but it's...
2: Spoiler.
0: Spoilers, yeah, from here on. It's, you know, the idea that it's not a group of aliens and that it's actually this thing is like some kind of creature. It's not a spaceship. This thing is alive. I think that's a, I think that's a great idea.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it just lost me a little bit as soon as it started getting bigger and all that kind of stuff. I actually thought it was threatening enough and scary enough when it did just kind of look like the flying top hat from monopoly Mm. i don't know
1: yeah it was uh, i agree with what you were saying at the start sophie about the beginning and finding its feet because the monkey attack scene feels like a different film yeah it's really gritty and genuinely scary and quite real it's
0: intense yeah
1: and then the rest of the film is kind of sci-fi hyper crazy fake reality kind of
2: And the opening scene sets the tone, right? Like it's 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 interesting because the like usually the opening scene uh, serves the purpose of maybe links back to the the end or there is something, but it just I think it's just there for shock value to just to lure you in. It's like okay, we're like this is Jordan Peele, like it's happening, and then obviously you have the um, actual you get the whole scene in somewhere in the middle i would say where we yeah, get i think the, it's because
0: obviously the film is broken into the sections of the different horses yes and then one of the six sections is gordy i think it's like the third or fourth maybe
2: yeah yeah,
0: yeah.
2: and i just yeah i just love that storyline so like i would have seen an entire film with that kind of storyline and stephen young's character and like the trauma that he suffered in the back of i just yeah that was so interesting so, but there
0: are some other just great like i think my favorite scene in it and it was the best reaction in the cinema is when i think it's the second horse when he goes into the shed and all the lights are on turns them off and then you see the alien sitting on the floor and the woman beside me in the cinema went oh shit
2: (laughs) yeah (laughs) (laughs) and it was a
0: great reaction and it was perfect and i was like that's i was like that's jordan peele Mm. that's fucking brilliant and that scene was so good especially and when then when he punched it and it's the kids it was just it was great but yeah, yeah it, was, it, was when
1: the, it was when the head bobs out from the side. Yeah, oh definitely. my
0: God. And just that relief. And the, the weird sound
1: design. It was this, like, blah, 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 some yeah. kind of weird noises.
0: Yeah.
3: There's nothing yeah. more unsettling than, like, pure inhumanity, I think. There's, when it, when I think yeah. of, like, my the, the shit that scares me to my core is that idea of, like, we can't perceive how, like, I love the idea, first off, that it's not a ship full of aliens. I think that's yeah. such a great little twist to be like, It's it's a it's its own animal that's hunting, and that's why it moves as erratically as it does, which is another aspect to like the the fear of it. Like when we think of something taking off or flying, we imagine it very singular and and the fact that it moves as it does. And but that idea when that scene where he's in the, the the horse uh uh area and they just plop out to the side, it's like it's so purely inhuman in that moment. Or that when it cuts back and it's small and you can't see it in the light at first and then it just stands up. Yeah. Yeah. And then that shot where it takes like 50 seconds until it fully starts mm-hmm. popping its head out.
0: Oh, yeah. He's mm-hmm. trying to, he's trying to video it around the corner. Yeah. And it's just putting its head around
3: to let it just take its time before you even see like the sliver of it peeking out. And then it starts, it starts revealing itself. And I think that it does, it does those, those, those quick scares great. What I, what I love about the, the opening is that we don't we have no context on mm-hmm. the gordy moment all we or we see is the aftermath of him tearing shit up and what what's so great about that is the 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 first thing i went to is like oh, they brought in a monkey and it just went ape shit literally and killed everybody <laughs> and then you get the context and you see and and then it's that's followed by the the death of oj's father and then the, him on set of that com- which is a commercial too and they're bringing on you know like the preppy like white actress who's who's like you know uh, the the makeup lady is behind you being like they told me to be here and it's like oh so that's the priority over the animal and he's being talked over and it, it you get the idea that like following a scene like the the aftermath of gordy with the before the horse kick it's very it felt very similar to me we're seeing before the altercation if we had shown up after and it, maybe we would have gotten the feeling that like OJ wasn't as professional or something like that. If, if, if we missed him giving everybody, like trying to do the opening and, 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 and trying to get like, Hey guys, don't do this. Don't do that. And yeah. I think that following that felt the idea of like you, you get uh, OJ's passion for what his dad did, which is, I think it's it, what, what, what's funny is like a lot of, I don't want to use the word predictable because the, the, the character, the characterization of OJ and Emerald aren't necessarily predictable. There is like, you know, the bubbly and the, and the, the one who's very, you know, a, uh, uh, a centrist very inward but you get a lot of their hopes and dreams very fast very early on mm-hmm. you know and that scene where they're 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 drunk and they're sharing with each other you get so much of what oj considers special and what emerald considers special because of their upbringing i love that like 10 second flashback to young oj and emerald kind of just doing that with each other because yeah. you get the feeling of like now we know why oj considers this so important and we know why emerald doesn't because she wasn't prioritized by her dad and he was and you get the feeling, like, I love that scene where he's got so much he wants to do. It's pure ambition. When he's alone and he's drunk and he's doing the HDRI, he's making that, that mirror ball for CG and all that stuff. Like, oh, yeah. he clearly wants to do more, which I think is a really interesting note to add for a character like him. You could have made him just like, because he is, you know, the strong, silent type. He he sticks to what he considers his obligations and his responsibilities. But then there is that level, like he also has that, you know, he's still Emerald's brother. He wants to do his own thing, but he feels maybe too attached to something his father did. And he considers it special and you, that you get that moment of, you know, that Emerald only watched, got the script of the, of the the safety thing from watching her dad. Cause she, she says her dad's great, great. She doesn't add on a great for herself, which is really, I think something that it shows what her, her priorities versus, uh, OJ's and the, by the fact by the end of that he's the only one that's like I don't I don't know it, it they both want to take it down but hers is much more like listen if we can get out of here and come out of it fine and that's that's also an option I think that's that comes from yeah. her, her, her growing up
2: okay uh, usually at this point we say spoiler alert, but I feel like we spoiled the, the film a bunch already. So same on us. Uh, are we ready? Okay, so I I know people have seen the film fairly recently, so we don't need to go into the plot in too much detail. But as a reminder, we have a recap of what went down the film. That's what Simon calls the Sophie summary. So much of it is concerned with OJ's and M's attempts to capture evidence of the strange UFO that has taken a president somewhere in the sky above the ranch. During their mission, they enlist the help of Angel, a tech salesman who takes interest in whatever's been happening, and eventually of Antler's host, a cinematographer who is supposedly able to capture basically anything he wants on film, and IMAX characters, because they're, that's a flex. Um, there's that, uh, certain, yeah, side storyline that I mentioned with, um, Stephen Young's character, Joop, I want to say, that's his name, uh, which, yeah, I don't want to go into too much detail right now, but what happens prompts OJ to realize that the UFO is not actually a spaceship, but a predator that will devour anything that looks directly at it. This helps him to come up with a plan that will allow them to get their footage by using the similar tactics to those he has used over the years, training horses. We actually do see that the creature, which has now been nicknamed Jacket, we haven't mentioned that yet, is successfully captured on camera by Holst and Angel, but for whatever reason, the... yeah. Uh, The cinematographer wants a better shot of it, so he gets closer and, of course, gets eaten alive along with his camera, essentially putting the mission right back to square one. At this point, Jacket is seen to visibly change into a far more elaborate form and continues pursuing O.J. and M. And M. uh, uh, kind of thinks quickly and turns to the, I want to say, the theme park right? Uh, to release a large helium, what is it? The um, mascot? It's a giant, is it a yeah, mascot? Giant or how would you call it? Mascot, yeah. yeah. To kind of bait the creature. The plan works and Jin Zaki attempts to eat the balloon, kind of, I guess, or whatever you want to call it. Uh, but when it tries to do so, it explodes and seems to be killed. I think that's the interpretation. It's, yeah, dies. Um, thankfully they also get their footage and manages to get the elusive show of the creature just in time using an analog camera to grab a picture of it just before it dies but before the film ends uh, M sees her brother on horseback realizing that he survived and this is clearly, we are talking about this earlier Ben an homage to the old Hollywood westerns where the usually white hero is depicted heroically on horseback kind of signaling a happy ending
0: wearing a scorpion king hoodie which i really like
2: <laughs> another flex from that film
0: i just love that that was one of the references throughout that he so worked good. on the scorpion king
2: so good so this very final shot uh was one of my favorite things about the film we were talking about this earlier with ben so i was thinking about how jordan peele takes this kind of Tarantino-esque, like, *Inglorious Bastards kind of approach where he's reimagining history in such a powerful way with, you know, black people's, like, stories, like, front and center. So in, when you think about it, the ending is about the, eras- the erasure of, you know, black people from Hollywood's very beginnings and Westerns is that kind of, art, um, you know, prime primal... Um, genre in that sense and it's almost like a an act of reclamation for black contribute uh, you know contributions to hollywood as an industry and i like the fact that you always have jordan peele saying i will always make black stories like that's that's my thing and you need to get used to it so yeah it's it's why i love the ending of Django and so much right it's such a beautiful cinematic parallel in that sense when you think of Jamie Foxx and ho- the, the horseback and you have uh, Kerry Washington waiting for him it's like so beautiful um, yeah what did you guys make uh, of that very final show
0: I quite enjoyed it I, I like the fact that I feel like in a lot of movies like that either you don't see that Daniel Kalu is still alive mm. or he is just dead oh, you
2: mentioned that yeah like
0: it would just be M just staring in the look in her eyes and then it's kind of like make up your own mind mm. does she take the photo and get rich is he there kind of thing but actually just goes no he's there yeah he's alive of course he's alive because he knew what to do you know uh yeah i just really enjoyed it i thought it was great I, my, my only thing coming out of it was i was like please just pick up the photo and take it with you because you never actually see her take the photo because she's so focused on him so in my head i'm like fuck Imagine. don't forget the photograph this is all been I for the, I photo. I was the police
1: for arriving i was like what if one of the reporters that were arriving grabs the yeah photo and runs off
3: with it and then she doesn't get the credit
0: yeah.
2: Is that what you think? What you thought, Tim. For some reason I
3: 100% thought that uh which I googled the cinematographer's name because it's I forgot it and it's so ridiculous. It's Antlers Hoist. It's very much like, you know, like uh, uh, i mean, Hoyt van Hoytema is very much also that like yeah. I can imagine he's been in the industry for 200 years. But uh no, the idea that um I for sure uh, cuz also by the way, I've seen the movie five times by now. Uh it's nearly it's my top 4 I've seen most in theaters. I uh, if I see one more, it'll be top three. Um, the Western vibe in this movie, the fact that Jordan mm. Peele made a modern Western, he made, you know, it's very much like think of every Western from the '50s, '60s. It's very much like, the, you know, if it's if it's the Native Americans, they're the enemy. They're incredibly advanced yeah. compared to the, the the you know the white American cowboys. They are you know savages and they have battle tactics and they and they and they sweep in and they empty whole towns and you walk in and you see arrows and you're know, like they went through here and it's very much they're their own entity at that point you know and he turned it into he. what, what I love actually about Antler's hoist's death is the fact that he, he does represent that old establishment Hollywood to me he's very much like like you know that 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 dream you're looking for—it's the one I've had my whole life. The idea that he's been working in what the industry for 60 years and he hasn't gotten that perfect shot to him—like it's it's an it's an it's an epiphany. It, it doesn't exist for him. He wants to get that golden hour shot, even if it means killing him. As he's getting sucked up, he's probably like, "I got it," and then he's okay with. It's it's very it's it's the mark. Frankly, for the film, it's the most cartoonish thing to me. But what I lo- what I love about it is that you then. Or well, you, you you get OJ and Emerald who come into with this, 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 not even just youthful, like a severely generational difference in the idea of how they want to attack this thing. Also, I was for certain that he left the role of film. in when I first saw it, I was like, but you don't need the one up from the, with the photo from the well. You have his role of film. And then after times of watching it, I don't see him take out that role
0: and switch to his other camera. Yeah, he, Angel... He does, he does. Wait, there's two cameras. Yeah, but doesn't Angel keep filming?
3: Well, that's nothing. Angel, they also... Angel keeps going until it gets blown over or whatever and maybe the the, the film gets exposed to light and, and that's part of the story and it gets ruined or whatever, but...
1: But he's done a couple of reloads
3: by then. Yeah, that's what I mean. It's like, you have something, especially yeah. you have the shot of it turning sideways with, with OJ, which is such a, I, I watched it in IMAX and, dude, I for a second, I don't think I breathed for, like, like a good while. Yeah. I was just... <laughs> <laughs> watching it go by and not to mention uh uh, uh oh god what was his name i have right here michael abels his score mm. yeah it, the, sounds it, fantastic the, the fact that, that it's not only just like eerie noises or, or 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 generic you know like anticipation thriller music it's got that pioneer like organ trail type music where you feel like there's there's a discovery happening and you know it's got that idea of whenever you know, a, can pilgrims go over a hill and they and they look at undiscovered America and they they're like look at all the the world we can take and you know it, it's very much that you get that like anticipatory feeling in it where that entire chase leading to Emerald's uh, Akira slide is so that
0: was awesome yeah. yeah the Akira slide was great
3: it's so it 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 just it for I know maybe it's just because I've I've gotten so into this movie and I've seen it I've had the benefit of genuinely seeing it as as many times as I've had. Uh, it's it's an uphill. It's like a fucking roller coaster. It's an uphill ride until you get to that drop where it's like, okay, now I now I know what's gonna happen. The when the when Jean Jacket opens up, and it becomes this like sh- this like like linen sheet in the wind gusts and all that. It felt very desperate. It felt like the creature was like this is fucking usually so easy and these assholes don't look at me. <laughs> so I'm just going to go, I'm going to open up. It felt like there's probably, it felt like, I keep saying that. Jordan Peele probably created a biology for this thing. It, it, he probably has some type of sketches or something where it, it, it shows it closed. It shows it maybe in specific situation. And then it has its full outside like, because when the movie opens too, we go through the the mouth of it. We hear the we hear blowing wind and we hear people screaming and yeah. we see clouds. We're going through the mouth of it and then it opens up to the jockey on the horse on screen. But before that, mm-hmm. it's supposed to be, you know, a film's, uh, uh, the projection in a the theater. But it's very much the the mouth. It's like blue and green and you're going right out of it. Um, and the fact that it it's trying so hard, the fact that it does lose its sense of like hidden wonder like the Jaws shark that it represents a more modern version of you know, people trying to capture thing on cameras, people trying to get the views and the clicks and the likes. And like, you know, just to I have to bring it up just because it's uh, uh, Kalua recently responded to to Logan Paul being like oh, criticizing yeah. the movie, just criticizing exactly what he brings to the movie. Like the fact that, you know, he would have been the fucking teams guy pulling up, being like, hey, bro. So here and then he picks him up or whatever, whatever. Um, but that, that the TMZ that's just,
0: guy getting thrown off the bike was perfect. Oh my god! And that well, it that's where brilliant. I
3: think that also the fact that we see this giant biological being, the fact that like you, you know it's it's still consciously moving when it hears OJ or Emerald, it turns back and forth. It doesn't know who to take, and when it whips up the TMZ guy, that's what frightened me more than anything. Even more than seeing it early on when it was hidden in the clouds was seeing a human body whip because it, it's officially dehumanized to me. It's officially like there's no power taken. in. it's kind of what makes the, the the boys a little scary to me when there's no sense of like the, the the lower beings, the beings who aren't flying around and doing amazing things are fucked in every sense of the word. So seeing at one point Emerald get picked up and I'm like, fuck, is she going to just get whipped through the air and go into this thing. And luckily she gets out of current and, and Angel gets, he wraps himself in barbed wire, which is such a great, I thought fully he was going to die, but t- let it consume him wrapped in barbed wire and then let that fuck up his gut, its guts. I don't know. I, I've, I've watched this too many times that I think that I'm too, I need to take a step back and really analyze parts of it because I do agree that I would, I would have loved to see more of the in-between between the cinematographer showing up and their decision at the restaurant. I think that I feel yeah. like there's there's maybe there's a, maybe I'm making I'm projecting, but it feels like there's a missing scene where they do kind of go, Okay, this is this is it. We have to go back. And then they get the added bonus of which I know these it's a cartoon. I love that he noticed the fucking cloud didn't move because cinematographers are all so focused on the frame. I think that's such a great little <laughs> bit that he's just mm-hmm. standing there, he's like, eh, That thing hasn't moved in six hours. I've been standing here for six hours and it hasn't moved. I think that's such a great little, you know, character thing. But uh yeah, no. Fuck, I'm, I'm, I'm in love with this
2: fucking movie. Did you come up with anything that wasn't like what you saw in the screen that you thought that was more metaphorical in a sense?
0: Not even the only thing for me was, as Simon said, do they get away with the picture or does it get left there? Right. And is it a thing that um, seeing that uh, OJ's alive is she realizes, oh, fuck, I actually don't care about the money. Mm-hmm. And it's about family and it's about me and OJ, you know, dad's gone. It's about the two of us being together. I don't give a shit about the photo. The photo can stay there.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, that was the only thing that I thought in the aftermath of it. Mm-hmm. I guess. So I mean, you probably thought that as well, did you?
1: Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I wasn't blown away by the ending. Otherwise. Yeah,
2: I. But I think that's the point because I. I mean, what I'm interested in when I'm seeing a Jordan Peele film is intention because I think we have talked about this before. Like, he's a very intentional. Filmmakers. I think we talked about Get Out in the past. Get Out was political, right? It was about racism, police brutality, white gays, unconscious bias, conscious bias, microaggressions, the whole thing. And the ending drove the message about Black Empowerment Home. And then you have Us, which in my opinion was very psychological. It was about identity, the idea of superego, you know, very Freudian in a way. And with the final twist in the end the pill wanted to provoke you he wanted to shock you right and what's different about nope is that it's it's entertaining I mean that's what like that's its purpose so nope is delightful it's just fun and it's about the if you think of the opening title card it, it suggested it's about spectacle I mean that I think that was the overall message and the lengths we go as a species to create spectacle and Um, I noted this quote from Peel that kind of sums up his intention with Nope that I really liked. He said, I wanted to make a spectacle, something that would promote my favorite art form and my favorite way of watching that art form, the theatrical experience. And as I started writing the script, I started to dig into the nature of spectacle, our addiction to the spectacle and the insidious nature of attention. So the film... which is about getting that money shot, that opera shot, the right? Shot. It's yeah. all about the relationship to the spectacle and like explored through various different characters like Angel and like M and OJ. So you, and Jupe, right? I and mean, we didn't talk about Jupe, hello. Um, so they all react very differently to to the monster, and each one of their approaches, quote unquote, represents a different attitude to spectacle. And with the final scene, I, my takeaway was that. M's attitude is the one that perseveres. Like, because she, I mean she's the winner in a way, because she gets the money show. Mm. Um, so that said, what I, really appre- what I really appreciate about the ending is that it didn't really tell me how to feel which I feel like sometimes those sort of like sci fi films can tell you how to feel. They're very prescriptive. So rather than kind of making, and yeah, I like, rather than making didactic claims about whether the spectacle is good or bad, which I know that some filmmakers, especially when they, they're they in the. Because Peel has only made three films. So you know how some filmmakers may want to just push their vision out there as early as possible. I think he allowed me to draw my own conclusions about the characters and therefore the archetype that they may represent, which we just talked about. So, yeah, I don't know. The ending did land for me. And I'm trying, like, for me, the open. I'm trying to think of the opening scene as the title card. that was about the spectacle. Like, it's, I think it's a Bible verse that he refers to. Not the, not the you know, opening, like, official opening scene. That, that's the kind of closing the loop for me the spectacle framing so like on a conceptual like philosophical level i really like that right so it sounds like we saw the ending again thanks to I tim so. probably um tim thank you so much for your time you know i always love chatting with you and i'm so glad you also got the chance to m- meet ben simon as well
3: it's i've also like been listening to the to your guys podcast every every time hey. it drops and i'm just so I get so part of it. Like I'll find myself talking and, and then one of you will talk because you guys are actually having a conversation and I'll think, Oh God. Well, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, uh, thank you guys for coming on. And thank you for having me on this. This is, this was really, really fun.
2: Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having us. I think that's.
0: the <laughs> Yeah. Likewise. Thanks for having us. Yeah. It's
3: great to hang
1: out.
0: We'll definitely we should, have to do it again. We
2: should do this again for sure. And
0: do it live. We'll all come to New York.
3: Do it
2: live. Oh, I mean, fuck. Yeah. Absolutely. It's going to happen. Like, if Tim comes to London, like, we're going to at a venue, we're going to do, like, a live podcast thingy, like, we'll figure it out. And then I really want to go back to New York. So it is happening. It is happening. Probably not this year, but the ambition is next year. So I'm excited. Um,
3: mm-hmm. All right. So where
2: where do they find your podcast uh yeah so our our podcast is called that final scene and you can find it on all streaming platforms spotify apple podcast uh youtube as well if you're the kind of person that listens their podcast on youtube i think that's a thing now Uh, and amazon
0: music now as well
2: and amazon music as well yeah sorry uh and you can find me under the same name on instagram and tiktok uh, where can our listeners find you and your podcast and your pages and all the good stuff? You can find the
3: podcast on my YouTube channel, the Cinema. The podcast is called How's It Going to End. You can find <laughs> the podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to podcasts. Or you can watch it on YouTube, the uh, Cinema on Instagram and, and TikTok. Amazing. Nice. We will
2: see you all soon. Bye bye. Did you like it?
0: Did you like that? Did I like it? I loved it.
2: I I had no idea you could milk a cat.
0: I have nipples, Greg. Could you milk me? Good morning!
2: Morning! Good morning!
0: Oh, and in case I don't see you, good afternoon, good evening, and good night.